So what's people's first impression of you? As you think about what's people's first impression of you? Uh, what are you known for? I know if I was going to put that in the right English, I should say, for what are you known? Because, you know, you're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition but, or a question. But I, it makes more sense if I say, what are you known for? What do people think of when they think of you? I could list all kinds of people today and list a, a name and you'd give me a response and it would probably be pretty much across the board, everybody's same response. But let me, let me rather than going to people uh, just outside uh, in our culture and in the past, let me just share some Bible people to, to let you know how, what, what I want you to be thinking about. So if I said Adam... Eve, yeah, right? Yeah, what are people known for? Adam and Eve. We could say, well, sin, okay. Uh, How about Noah? The flood, sure. How about Joshua? Battle of Jericho. Okay. Uh, um, How about David? Goliath, right. You might have said Bathsheba. How about Job? Suffering? Patience, yes, somebody got it. You saw patience, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. How about Mary? What was that? Yeah, baby Jesus. Okay, Mary, the mother of Jesus. How about Peter? Yeah, that would be, yeah. You could say walking on water, right? You could say denied Jesus, right? You could say preached on the first day of Pentecost or the day the the church began and 3,000 people got saved. There's a lot with Peter there. How about Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah, they lied to the Holy, they lied and died, right? They lied to the Holy Spirit, and God took their life right then and there. So as you think about, that's what, what do people think when they think of you? Somebody were to say your name, like I just uttered those Bible names, what would their response be? Maybe it would be caring. Maybe it would be loving. Maybe it would be kind. Maybe it would be, oh, servant. They are a servant. Maybe generous could be funny, right? That might be the thing that cuts. Smart. Let me ask you this. When people think of you, do they think holiness? Do they think holiness? Now, you don't have to nod your head or nudge somebody next to you. That's me. Um, But let me ask you this, what would you want to be known for? What would you want to be known for? Romans chapter 16 and verse 19. Paul closing out his letter to to the church at Rome. He said this, everyone has heard about your obedience. Everyone has heard about your obedience So I rejoice because of you. Wow. That's something to be said about a church. Everyone has heard of your obedience. So what would it take for you to be known for holiness? Well, you'd have to be holy, first of all, right? And and we're not supposed to define a word with a word, but... But if, if you were going to be known for holiness, you'd have to be holy. Would anything have to change in your life for you to be holy, for you to be called holy? 
Uh, if so, how would you have to live differently if holiness were going to characterize your life? I want you to open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. And um, I want to answer the question this morning as we look through 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. And uh, answer a question as we look at these verses. What will it take for you to be holy? What will it take for you to be holy? Now, I take it uh, our PowerPoint's not working. So if you need a Bible in front of you under the chair, there should be one, a hard copy. And in that Bible, it would be page 850. Or in your Bible, your copy of the Word of God, your tablet, your phone, whatever. First Peter chapter 1. And I'd like to read for you verses 13 through 16. So follow along with me, if you will, please. Therefore, with minds that are alert, and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be given. Set your hope, to, excuse me, to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. We, we sang first about God, holy, holy, this morning. We sang that. And then we talked about worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is our God. And that's because He's holy. And as we think that through... This morning, we want to zero in on that, and we want to answer that question, what will it take for you to be characterized by holiness? If you're going to be known for holiness, holiness requires forward thinking, and we're going to look at uh, the answer to that question as we look at these verses. Holiness requires forward thinking. Look at again at verse 13. Therefore, what, and, and you know, as you see a therefore in your Bible, you always have to ask, why is it there, right? What's it there for? Exactly. And so uh, Peter is going back to the first 12 verses where we've been for the last few weeks. He's looking back to verses 1 to 12, and he's uh, uh, talking about the fact because we are children of God, because we've experienced the new birth, because we have received salvation, that Peter talked about was given uh, because of that and because we've experienced his abundant grace. Now it says that's a real quick summary of verses 1 to 12, but, but it's there. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. So there it is, forward thinking with minds. What do we do with our mind? We're supposed to think, right? Our mind controls what our body does. Our mind controls where we go, what we do, what we say. And so as we think about that, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Peter begins with an emphasis on our thinking. How do we think on our minds? That word alert, minds that are alert. Prepare your minds for action is another translation. That's what Peter's saying. Get ready to use your mind. Action is coming, and you need to think properly. 
Roll up your sleeves. Mental preparation. Roll up the sleeves of your mind and heart as you think about that. And, and, and I would ask you this morning, so what do you typically think about? What is it that more often than not occupies your mind? There are college students today here. It may be graduation, <laughs> right? It's just a week away. And you think about that after four long, expensive years, graduation, woohoo! yeah, occupying the mind. I remember what was occupying my mind at graduation. It was Jane. <laughs> because a week after I graduated, we got married. So even for graduation, that was one of the things I had to get through because we were getting married a week later. So what is it that you think about the most? What's occupying your mind? Peter's saying you've got to get your head in the game. You've got to think rightly. Well, what do we need to think about? Well, he keeps going on with minds that are alert and fully sober. Fully sober, not letting your mind wander. Not letting your mind be mentally intoxicated. Not letting your mind be mentally addicted to other things, things that will hinder your spiritual alertness. It is critical. We often focus on things that, that don't help us in our Christian walk. We think about all kinds of things, and, and here he's saying, don't let your mind, don't be mentally drunk. Focus your attention. Be alert on spiritual things. And sometimes the things that we focus our attention on aren't bad things. They even, we might call them inherently good things. Uh, your career, your wife, right? I just talked about, or, or your, your, your job, what you're going to do. It might be your possessions, your stuff. It might be vacation. It might be your reputation. It might be friendships. It might be your job. It might be how you're going to get through college. How are you going to pay the bill now that you're graduating and scholarships and all those kinds of things. Good things, but good things that can distract us, that can not allow us to be spiritually alert, not allow us to be spiritually sober. Peter uses the word sober, fully sober. And in, in look ahead to chapter 4 of 1 Peter. And of course, we're going to be getting down the road in these, but uh, chapter 4 and verse 7, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind. Why? So that you may pray. We've got to keep our mind focused on God and the things ahead. We'll see what that is in just a minute. If we're going to pray, he goes ahead in chapter 5 and verse 8 says the same thing. Be alert and of sober mind. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So we've got to keep our minds mentally alert, mentally sober, ready to think, with minds alert and fully sober. That's critical. Get ready for action. Roll up your sleeves. Keep your mind, your thinking sharp, and set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when 
Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So I say forward thinking. Jesus is coming again one day, huh? Do you think about that? Here's how I thought about it at graduation. Told you my mind was already occupied with getting married with Jane, but here's what I was thinking. Lord, be really great. I want you to come back one of these days, but it'd really be great if you waited till after I got married. You go, wow, you really were carnal. But as we think about that, it's like, okay, why? We set our minds on the Lord because we don't often think that way. But when we do, when we focus on the future, when we're thinking forwardly, it's going to change how we live on this earth right now. Look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. You see, Jesus is coming again, and that ought to affect the way we live. We're going to experience that future salvation that we talked about back in the first 12 verses that Peter mentioned. But he brings up here again when Jesus comes before, and, and chapter 2, verse 28, 1 John, and now, dear children, continue in him, continue in Jesus, so that when he appears, when he comes back again, we may be confident and unashamed. Right now, we would live in a confident, unashamed way. How? When we're realizing he's coming back and when we think that way before him at his coming. You see, the return of Jesus Christ for the church at what we call the rapture, his coming again, will change the way we live. Because we don't want there to be shame in our lives. Have you ever felt at a certain point in time, maybe a low point in your life, and you simply say, oh, Lord, ugh, I sure hope Jesus doesn't come back today because I'd be embarrassed. That's what John's saying. The more we think about Jesus coming again, the more we're going to live confidently and in an unashamed manner. Then he goes on down to verse 2, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. And we read this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known when Jesus comes, right? But here it is. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We've talked about this verse a little bit recently. But look at this, verse 3. And all who have this hope. What hope? The hope that Jesus is coming again. All who have this hope. Hope, look at it, in him, in who? In Jesus, all who have this hope in Jesus purify themselves just as he, just as Jesus is pure. You see, when we are thinking about the return of Jesus Christ for us to take us to be with him, we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be full of shame. We don't, we don't want to be doubt. We want to be full of confidence. We want to be living pure lives. We want to make sure we're ready for Jesus to come again. That means we have to live a certain way now. We have to live holy lives now. And when we know Jesus is coming again, that ought to absolutely control the way we live now. Living with our mind or our thinking on our future hope causes us to live differently now and will bring about holy living 
now. But not only do we have to have forward thinking, holiness requires obedient living. Obedient living. Look at verse 14. Back, 1 Peter <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Obedient children is a clear reference to our salvation. Go back to verse 2. We talked about that. Peter said, Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. So we're talking about saved people. We're talking about those who know Jesus Christ, those who have received the new birth. You cannot live obediently. You cannot be known for holiness if you have not been born again. If you have not received the new birth, you're not saved. You're not a child of God. You can't be an obedient child because you're not a child. The Bible says you're still an enemy of God. But once you know Jesus Christ, we need to live as obedient children, as those who know Jesus Christ, as those who have experienced the new birth who've been given living hope, who've been given an inheritance, who've been given a future salvation that one day we're going to see Jesus and be like him. Woohoo! Wow, huh? And when we think that way and then live obediently, it changes the way we live here on this earth. Because he goes on. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. When was that? Before we knew Jesus. That's what he's saying. Before you knew Jesus, you lived ignorantly. When you lived, you followed, you conformed to the evil desires that was part of your nature as a person without Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you may not like that description of you. It's not, please don't take it personally. But it is true of all who don't know Jesus. It is true of all who are born. We are born in our sin. And there's nothing we can do to change it except to believe in Jesus Christ and receive his gift. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood to pay for our sin. And when we believe, we are forgiven. And we become a child of God. And we then can be obedient. And when that happens, the way we live must be different. We need to be obedient to God. When we read that, do not conform to the evil desires you had lived in when you lived in ignorance. That's don't pattern your life after the behavior of a person who doesn't know God. Live differently. Romans 12, 2 may come to your mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Uh, we, we know verse 1, I, I urge you, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Well, verse 2 says, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't live like you are part of this world. What do we mean by world? What's Paul talking about? Uh, one translation years ago used to say about this verse, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't look like you belong to the world. 
Because we don't. Our citizenship is in heaven. World stands for everything that opposes the will of God. That's what the world means. When you read the world in Scripture, when you hear about something that's worldly, it has to do with anything and everything that is opposed to God and His will for our lives. One writer defined it this way, Worldliness is whatever makes sin look normal and righteousness look strange. That's pretty good. Worldliness is whatever makes sin look normal and righteousness looks strange. And when you look at sin, if you think, ah, that's no big deal, not a problem, then there's a, there is a problem. And if we look at the righteousness of God and like, who would want to do that? That's one of the strangest things I've ever heard. There's a problem. It's worldliness. Paul Peter's saying, don't be spiritually ignorant. Be different. Be holy. But thirdly, holiness requires different being it requires forward thinking it requires obedient living it requires different being look at verses 15 and 16 first peter 1 this is what we read but just as he who called you is holy who called him who called us go back to verse 1 and 2 right god god the father who sovereignly chose us to salvation So the one who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. That's pretty simple. It doesn't get, there's not a whole lot that needs to be explained. Be holy in all you do. Why? For it is written, back in the Old Testament, go to the book of Leviticus, because, be holy because I am holy, God said. That's why we are to be holy. We are to be holy in all we do. Folks, holy is one of those difficult things to understand really what the Bible. We, we oftentimes, we see that word and we, we conjure up in our minds this, this list of things that we can't do or shouldn't do. Because if we do those, there's no way we'll be holy. The list of sins that would ruin our holiness. It's way more than that. It's way more than that. The word holy in Scripture means to be separated. It means to cut, to divide. It means to set apart to God. You might read the word sanctify, sanctified, sanctification. We've talked a little bit about that as well. In fact, back at the beginning, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, "...who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father." Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God that will make us holy. That will bring about a holiness in our lives. Sanctification, being holy. God is different. We are being set apart to Him. That's what holiness, when we're sanctified, we're set apart to God in His holiness. It's the same word. But God is holy. He's different from and greater than all created beings in every way imaginable. It could be his ultimate beauty, his ultimate glory. He is unique in that holiness. There is no other creature ever created or that ever will be 
that is like God. God is holy, perfect in that holiness, no sin. You say, well, how do we be like that? Huh? Because ultimately, holiness is God-likeness. Let me remind you, the mission at Heritage Baptist Church, we take it right out of Matthew 28, is more people, Heritage Baptist Church exists to make more people more like Jesus. And there's verse after verse after verse after verse in the Word of God that tell us that's exactly what we need to be and do. So what does it mean to be holy? Be like Jesus. You know, we have this idea that if we're going to be holy, we have to walk around with robes on and hoods way up over our heads and, and um, singing in this sing-song thing, you know. I remember Ken Rudolph used to say, holiness, we love Jesus, yes we do. We love Jesus, how about you? And we have that idea. That's holy. No. Holiness is being like Jesus. Let me give you this quote that I came across. I thought this really helps because, folks, I, we need to be holy. And I want you to understand it on the everyday living level. Or, or we miss it. This is what Sam Storm of the ESV Expository Commentary said. To live holy as God is holy requires separating ourselves from those sinful passions that characterized our lives before, before we came to know Christ. It means distancing ourselves from the lifestyle that used to dominate our existence as a person who didn't know God. We distance ourselves from that kind of lifestyle. It means cutting ourselves off from whatever will desensitize us to sin or blur our spiritual vision or stir up our sinful nature. Anything that will do that. You know what it means to desensitize yourself to sin? We, we, we can desensitize ourselves to all kinds of things. It means beyond feeling. We do it over and over again so much, we don't even think about it. And we've lost sensitivity to the things that we need to. And when sin is in our lives, we can lose sensitivity to the Spirit of God. We can lose sensitivity to the Word of God. We can lose sensitivity to God Himself. And anything that will cause us to desensitize ourselves to sin, we need to stay away because we're not going to be able to be holy in that way. And, or blur our spiritual vision, not see spiritual truth clearly, or stir up our sinful nature. All those things lead to holiness. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Listen, Peter's not the only one that calls us to be holy Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, the book of Ephesians, Paul says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In our salvation, Jesus has given us everything. 
Look at verse 4. For he chose us. Hmm, where did you hear that before? In him, before the creation of the world, look at this, to be holy and blameless in his sight. You see, part of the problem when we hear this business of being holy, we, we typically think, I can't do that. And besides, that's kind of old-fashioned and outdated. People really don't have to live like that anymore, do they? Yes. The Bible is as current and relevant today as it was back in the first century. And we need to live according to the truth of the Word of God. We have been saved and called to be holy. Back in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 19, verses 4, 5, and 6. Exodus chapter 19, verses 4, 5, and 6. You yourselves, and this is when, when Moses has gone up onto Mount Sinai, and he's about to get the Ten Commandments, and God's talking to him. Verse 4, Exodus 19, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Remember how God delivered Israel from the, Red, from the Egyptians and crossed the Red Sea and all that? Here, look what he says. How I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully, we just talked about living obediently. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, the promise you made, unconditional promise, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine, you, you who know me is what he's saying, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A nation that is set apart to God. Wow. Now, we could go on and on and on with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture looking at how we've been called to be holy. If we've been called to be holy by God, that means we can do it. We can be holy. In fact, remember, we are holy when we receive the new birth. We are sanctified. That's what we are when we're saved. It's also what we must become. We've talked about that. Our salvation passed positionally before God we're saved. But we also continue to be more saved. Not more saved in our stance before God, but in our growth, progressive sanctification. We're growing. We're becoming more like Jesus to what we read about here in Peter, the future salvation, when ultimately we will be completely perfect and saved before God. Well, that's the sanctification process. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you remember that study that we did. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, verse 1, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, to those who were set apart, to those who are called holy, but sanctified is the word. And then he goes on, and called to be his holy people together with all those who everywhere call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he saying? You were sanctified. You were set apart to God. You were declared righteous. You were holy. 
But you need then, you're also called to be his holy people, to live like you're made holy. If he's saying that's what we should do, it means it can be done. It's critical that we grab hold of that truth. Listen, the how, how do we, it's in the Great Commission. Did you ever think about that? Holy. Well, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, you say, where's the word holy? Well, therefore, go and make disciples. That's what we're called to do, folks. That's That's what it's about. Make disciples of all nations. When we go, we see them come to Christ. We see them made holy, right? Then we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, And then here's the growth in holiness. We teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's the holiness. Teaching us to obey. We who know Jesus to do the Great Commission are to teach people to obey everything that God has commanded us. There it is. We learn what God wants us to do. We learn how God wants us to live. Holiness requires a different being. When we're sanctified, when we're made holy at the moment we're saved, we need to continue to grow in our holiness to become more like Jesus. That means we live differently. 1 John chapter 2, and again, we could go on and on, but let me just share this. 1 John chapter 2, and... um, verses 3 through 6, this is what John says. I have it on the screen, but you can follow. We know that we have come to know him, Jesus, if we keep his commands. Verse 4, whoever says, I know him, I know Jesus, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Woo! And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, right here, right? What did we just say about the Great Commission? Teach to obey. You see, there's not a contradiction in all this. It works together. God did it that way. So John's saying the same thing that Jesus told all the disciples afterwards. He rose from the dead in the book of Matthew and He says, verse 5, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him who, in Jesus, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. What does that sound like? More like Jesus. Isn't that what it says? Whoever claims to live in him, whoever claims to be a believer, must live as Jesus did. I didn't make that up, folks. It's there. You want to be holy? We live as Jesus did. More people, more like Jesus. One thought. Hebrews chapter 12, 
Because here it is. We think we can't do it. Here's what the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us about God's love for us. He talks about verse 4, Hebrews 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He's saying we struggle with sin. Who is he talking to? He's talking to people who know Jesus. He's talking to people who are holy, who've been set aside, who've been set apart to God. He says, in your struggle with sin, and you have, verse 5, completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. In our struggle with sin, when we miss it, when we don't get it, there are times when the Lord, our father, has to discipline us. Just like as human parents, we discipline our sons and daughters. That's what he's saying. You understand that, right? Hello? Amen? Right? All right. Now, look at verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. If God didn't care about us, if he didn't love us in our struggle with sin, if we're going the wrong direction, he's going to discipline us. And we need to thank God that he cares enough to get us going in the right direction. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not a legitimate, not, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. If you're not being disciplined, if you're living in sin and not being disciplined by God, you better question whether or not you even know God. You better question whether you're a child of God because the writer here says you're not. God doesn't let us get away with the way we want to live when it's not in accordance with the Bible. Verse 10. They, our fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God, look at this, but God, I think I have verse 10 up here, right? But God disciplines us for our good, even though nobody likes discipline, right? I remember my dad used to put that paddle on my backside. I never liked it. I liked it when my sisters got it, but not when I did, <laughs> right? In order, what? look at this. He disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Wow. Wow. God not only says be holy, he does what's necessary in our lives so that we are holy. He disciplines us so that we may share in his holiness holiness so that we might look different so that we might look like those who know Jesus all right then so what now well holiness is hard no question about it holiness is hard but it can be done it will take effort and here's what bothers me as I've been reading and studying one of the things that concerns is that we sometimes think ah that's just too much I can't do that and and yet we we don't want to put forth any effort. 
we think it just happens. Well, positionally, yes, we are holy. But we need to continue to grow to become holy. We've talked about that. But 2 Peter chapter 1, just look ahead a couple of pages. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Look at this. Through these he has given us this very great and precious promises. Look at verse 5. For this reason, because of all that God's done, because we participate in the divine nature when we're saved, for, he says, this very reason, verse 5, 2 Peter 1, make every effort to add to your faith. And he goes on, add to your faith, goodness to goodness, knowledge, and so forth on down. He's talking about growth. He's talking about being more like Jesus. He's talking about adding godly spiritual characteristics to our lives. But he says, make every effort to add. You make every effort to do that. To grow. To be obedient. To be holy. There's got to be a want to, folks. If you're struggling with holiness and you say, I've been trying, now I think there's maybe not a real want to in your life. So what if? What if you focused your thoughts and set your hope on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed it is coming? You want to be known for holiness? When people say your name, do you want them to say holy? If we want to be known for holiness, what if you focused your thoughts and set your hope on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed as coming? What if we were so forward in our thinking we, we couldn't stop waiting for Jesus to come again right now? It would change the way we live. What if you chose to pattern your behavior according to God's will, not conforming our evil desires, not allowing those to control our thinking? What if we chose to pattern our behavior according to God's will? Remember Romans 12, 2 says that good and, and perfect and pleasing to God will that he's talking about. What if you determined you would make every effort to be holy in all you do? What if you said, I will make the effort? You say, well, I, God has to do that. God is going to use you. Check out Philippians chapter 2. I believe it's verses 10, 11, 12, right in there. Right? For it is God who works in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure. He works in you to accomplish his will and his good pleasure in your life. We have to put forth the effort. We have to do everything we can. Make every effort to add to your faith. Imagine how you might think or act or be different if you pursued holiness. Imagine how people around you might be different if you pursued holiness. Imagine the difference it would make in your home if you pursued holiness. In your marriage. In your schools. In your workplace. In your neighborhood. On the team you're a part of. In the church. 
Imagine what would be different if we pursued, we who know God pursued holiness. What a difference it would make in your life. And if we did that, what would, God, what would people's first impression of you and I be? Would it be holiness? It very well could be. Will you be known for holiness? Will you be known for holiness? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus who loved us so much that he died on the cross to provide forgiveness for our sin. an inheritance in heaven, a living hope, a future salvation. Oh God, help us to choose to be holy, to live our lives in such a way that people see there's a difference, to make sure that we're so different, so holy, that we're not holding on to life without Jesus. God, help people to see the difference in our lives. Help us to be holy. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.